So, yeah, maybe we'll <coughs> speak a bit about the inspirations behind this day. And... Um, So I think I'm going to actually start off more personal. And that um, this notion of non-harming, well, if we consider it, this is the very first precept in the trainings to help settle and calm the mind and the body. The first precept of not killing. And if you think about it, if the whole world joined with an agreement of not killing, in one instant, there would be peace. At least there'd be no one killing one another. It may not be peace, this all may be, but if we take the implication of that precept of killing into non-harming and looking at our words, thoughts, and actions, uh, we could potentially go into a very harmonious society. But just the very act of stopping the physical of not killing Instantly, our society, our world is transformed. It's kind of amazing. And it's very interesting that um, in Pali, the word for this first precept, not killing, and if you take the traditional precepts in Pali, the language of the, the ancient Buddhists, uh, the words are panatipata. Vairamani sekapadam samadhiyami. But panatipata. This literally means to not take away one's breath. It's a very powerful translation. Panatipata, not to take away one's breath. And actually it's very interesting that those of you that are into the Dharma, into the, into the meditation practice and have been around and you've probably heard the meditation instructions on the mindfulness of breathing, and that's actually called in Pali Anapana sati. So the same root is there. It's being mindful of the breath, anapana sati, but not taking away one's breath, panatipata. So there's some origins between these two words. So maybe actually, I'm, I'm going to read a little bit here, um, just exploring the first precept, what we wrote in the catalog that this is a day long that will be devoted to exploring the first precept of non-harming, which is the basis or the foundation of the remaining four precepts of not stealing, not causing sexual harm, using harmful speech, and intoxication. The heart of the Dharma, the heart of the Buddhist teachings, is cultivating wisdom and compassion. And this is developed by living virtuously through the cultivation of non-harming in thoughts, words, and actions that purify the heart and the mind. In the Rhinoceros Horn Sutta, the Buddha says, renouncing violence for all living beings, harming not even a one. And there's even a story <coughs> in the teaching in the Dhammapada. It's called the simile of the saw. S-A-W, saw. That it goes, even if your, your arms and legs are being cut off limb by limb, harboring not one feeling of anger. That's quite, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> Not harboring even anger as your limbs are being cut off. So today we'll explore non-harming ahimsa in our modern world. Is it even possible? 
It's a very good question. This is a conundrum. Is it possible to live without killing or harming? And how do we reconcile this conundrum of doing no harm as it pertains to killing and the remaining precepts of harming? In the light of the, priest, the first precept of non-harming, which literally means not to take away one's breath, how do we reconcile eating meat or wearing leather? How do we deal with termites, mosquitoes, flies, mice, rats, bacteria, other creatures? How do you feel about using products that may hurt animals? We can look at the ways also that we harm others or ourselves through our destructive criticism with our speech, our judgment, and our action. Either conscious or unconscious choices that we make in various aspects of our lives that cause harm. What is our highest aspiration for living a life with non-harming? We're going to explore these today. What can support us to live more fully in alignment with these aspirations? Is it possible to live a life without harming in our society? What can we do to reduce harm? What are you willing and what are you willing not to do? I want to say that with Richard and I, we've talked about this, and um, we, we hear we're not, we're not wanting to take a stand that you should do it this way or that, that way. That, that would not be of service. But what our job here is to raise lots and lots of questions and for us to begin to see in our own lives how, how do we navigate this conundrum of living a life with, with no harming or the least harming. So I feel it's very fair that we want to come from a very neutral place. We want to bring up the questions. We're not here to, we're not animal rights activists or meat activists to, to eat meat or not eat meat. I mean, we each have our own personal preferences and we may choose to share them later with you. But our job is to bring awareness. Let awareness be the guide. <coughs> so today will be a day of some sitting, walking meditation, along with some inquiry and some discussion. I also want to speak about safety. We, this is a, the, what we're going to be talking about today is very charged issues. Very charged. Some of us have may have very, very strong feelings about certain aspects, and we understand this. And, and in that sense, there could be diametrically opposite strong, strong feelings here. And so I'd like us to have an agreement that we try to get along. <laughs> that we not, that we be mindful of our speech. Because, you know, I was involved in, during the Vietnam War, I, I could see some of the people that were against the war were just as filled with just as much hatred as those that were wanting to fight the war. And so even, even the, the cause of peace becomes another form of harming. So in that sense, can we be mindful of our speech? Can we practice non-harmful and kind speech amongst each other with that respect for the diversity of different views, because we have them. We may not agree with them, but each of us here is a human being, and we have feelings. And probably we do not like to have our feelings be hurt. And so in the same sense of how can we be with each other, creating a place of safety. So I really want to encourage the safety, that we don't give advice, that we speak from our hearts, that we not interrupt or put anyone down. And, and this might be our teacher. How do I be with a person that has such an opposite way of seeing, and how can I still find my heart and, and, and find this person's heart? So anyways, this will be a practice too. And the, of course, the importance of keeping uh, confidence, respecting our different opinions. 
So I'm going to speak just a little bit more, and then I, I want you know Richard will share. And uh, coming back to more of the personal uh, parts of me that inspired me to want to explore this day is that the practices of of harming and of, of non-harming have been with me s since I was a child, and. Um, so on the personal side of things, um, when I was four years old, I had my first realization as I was driving down and sitting in the back seat of my parents' car going down Corey Hill Road in Brighton, Massachusetts, that all of this was not going to stay forever, that life was going to end, that I and everyone was going to die, and that it could happen at any moment. That was a very powerful realization for a four-year-old. <laughs> And I remember asking my mother and f father, well, actually not asking, letting them know what I had discovered, that, that I and everyone was going to die. And they very lovingly said to me, and I have no idea why that came up. I don't know if they were talking about someone that had died. I have no idea, but it just, it just became clear in that <laughs> moment, this is not going to last for any one of us, and it can come at any time. And so I s shared with them what I realized, and they said to me very lovingly, don't worry, Bobby. It won't happen for a long, long, long time. It was very loving. I don't hold anything against them, but I knew it was not the truth. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and I'm 59. It, it's, it, they've been, it has been a long time since the age of four, but there was no guarantee. I, I mean, I wish I could have a, a, a guarantee card, like a get-out-of-jail card, you know, in Monopoly. Like, I have this card. I'm, I'm not going to die for a long, 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 long time. No guarantee, no such card. And unfortunately, uh, between the ages of six and nine, uh, my younger brother, who I shared a room with, died of an illness. My best friend, who I played with every day across the street, went into a diabetic coma one night and died. Her name was Ellen. And my grandfather, who lived downstairs, we had a two-story house, he, he died of a heart attack. This was all by the time I was nine. And this left me in a state of profound grief and confusion, despair, lostness for many, many years. And so I was a pretty weird kid growing up. As I look back now, I was a pretty weird kid growing up. It was the 1960s. The times were changing. The Beatles grew the hair long. And it was wild times in the Boston area where I grew up. On top of all of that stuff, I was a very confused, young, lost person in a lot of despair, trying to, to figure what's going on with this life. And so those issues that I was dealing with that a lot of my neighbors and friends and kids weren't dealing with, and I was a pretty weird kid, and, and I also was picked on quite a bit and, and not understood. And so I had the, the recipient of the harmfulness of what name-calling or even picking fights. And, 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 and so it's just in the sense of... Uh, that sensitivity towards harm came very early in my life. And like I realized, like just as I would experience being picked on or, or whatever, or, or seeing other kids get picked on, and the pain that I could feel that they were, that it was very painful. And so very early in life, I, I would wanted to feel to myself, I, I, I don't want to live a life of causing pain to others, because it's painful, because I have been pained myself. 
Eventually, through years of being lost, I finally um, began the journey of looking inwards, and it actually began with the Tao Te Ching by Latsu after flunking out of college and being readmitted back on warning, and ending up in this Eastern philosophy class. And I picked it because, you know, my mother said, isn't there any class that might appeal to you? And reading and writing and arithmetic certainly didn't, and I had flunked out <laughs> with all of that. And, I like Chinese food, and it said something about the wisdom of the East. I said, well, there's something there. <laughs> I'm not, I, I mean it, seriously. And um, I like the artwork in Chinese restaurants. I like the, the, the pictures of the Buddha sitting so serene. And so there was something about it. And so I went into this class, and my teacher was sitting in a full lotus position on top of his desk. I never had a professor like this before. This was in the middle 70s in northern Vermont. And um, he assigned us to read the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. And I began reading the Tao Te Ching, and it's like I couldn't believe that somebody thought about life in this way. And then finally, there's this one epigram, one poem that says, there's no need to look outside your window for everything you need to know is inside you. And that was a really seeding of a huge turning point in my life where I realized if I wanted to know anything, I needed to begin to look in here. And that was a huge turning point of beginning to look inside to understand what is this life. And later, gradually becoming exposed to these profound teachings of the Dharma and based in this ethical way of living with integrity, the, the, the teachings of non-harming greatly, greatly inspired me. And I'll just say it's a conundrum because I, I, in these years, and I think initially because of um, this death early in life, I've been very interested in death, and it's taken me to many cemeteries, to a lot of death meditation practice, and the, the meditations on the body. So I'm really into these body practices, the 32 parts of the body meditation, death meditation, elements meditation. And in my studies, you know, like, like one, of the, these, one of these facts is that within one square inch of our skin lives 32 million bacteria. I just go scratch my nose because I have an itch, and how many am I wiping out? <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't be thinking about those type of things, but I do. And there's much more. Even the Prius that I drove here today, what, you know, is it really that 100% environment positive? Or like these batteries of me, like what's going to do with them? Or the, you know, someone was talking about like the iPhone that perhaps some of us are carrying in was built by maybe some slave labor or child, like the clothes that we're, I mean like, like the stuff that we're even got us here or things that we're using may have had some aspects where the, some harming has happened. So it's a big, big issue. And so again, raising awareness. Um, I can go on, but I think I'm going to pause here. <laughs> so thank you, and I'm very glad that you're here today to um, explore. Explore, to me, one of the most foundational aspects of, of spiritual practice, of awakening, begins with the practices of non-harming. And how wonderful that we get a day here to explore this. Oh, <clears throat> Uh, we all have our, um, I guess what I call top ten tunes, top ten ways that we contribute to harming either for ourselves or others. Some we share in common, 
for example, Bob mentioned driving here. Uh, we both drove Priuses, so that's nice. But um, you know, uh, if you came here and in anything that had an internal combustion engine, I mean, we don't know. We may be killing the planet, right? I mean, we just kind of we don't know what's happening, but it's it, it's not positive. Let me put it that way. So that's some th example things that maybe we all are doing in common. Uh, and then we all have our own individual ways in which we may uh, create harm or suffering for ourselves or for others. One of the ways that some of us can particularly create um, uh, suffering or harm for ourselves is through self-criticism. And that's a stronger, you know, all of us can have had moments of that, but for some of us it may be really a deeply ingrained pattern. It may be not so much a pattern for others. They'll have other ways that they create their suffering. And so I want to first just acknowledge the fact that you would show up for a day dedicated to exploring all these ways Bob's talking about around the ways that we can create harming, what we're willing to do and not do. We're going to have lots of, we're going to just get into a lot today around that and just explore this says a lot about your sincere intention of what you want in your life. And um, even though there's a few people here I know, I actually don't know any of you well at all. Most of you I don't know at all, but I, I feel I know that that's true by definition, or you wouldn't have shown. I mean, well, it's possible a friend just said, hey, we're, I'm going to this place called Spirit Rock. I was like, well, what's that? And I don't know, well, let's hang out. So, but I'm guessing most of you <laughs> knew what the day was about. That speaks very deeply to a place of that's the traditional language that's wholesome or non-traditional language that I like that's good, that's beautiful, and that's right in you. And so I just want to first just to start by really um, uh, acknowledging, all, and us, to all of us, including myself and Bob, all of our sincere, good, wholesome, beautiful intentions, perhaps aspirations in your life. And of course, it's easy to find all the ways where we fall short, and that can become another cause of, of tearing ourselves down and beating ourselves up. So that's a whole big topic. Just a few quick things to share. Um, uh, I, I was a vegetarian for um, many years. And my first wife, oh, when she got uh, had some illness and worked with someone who was a Chinese medicine practitioner, and uh, you know they're really big on, well, you should eat a little meat, you should eat a little chicken. So she kind of got into it. Next thing you know, I'm eating a little chicken. So for a lot of years, so I just want to first of all put it right out there. I happen to notice that this belt's made out of leather. You know what? They killed a cow. <laughs> and I'm wearing that. Secondly, I don't eat much meat or anything at all. But if someone puts a plate of chicken in front of me, I eat it. If they, if I had to go kill that chicken, <laughs> it ain't happening. I'm not going to go kill a chicken, but actually, in a sense, I, I do kill a chicken if someone puts that there. So I've been reflecting on this a lot because I kind of, and um, so my son, I have a five-year-old, and it just so happens that just this month, after, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, just this month, he's, mom puts it, gives him a plate of chicken. And he's eating, he goes, Dad, where's the chicken come from? It's a chicken. It's a chicken. You mean I'm eating a chicken? Right. It's a, I'm telling them. Yes, they're chicken. Well, what do they do? They kill the chicken. He says, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not making this up. I mean, this is pretty close to, to what he's, 
how is it for the chicken? I said, uh, I don't think it's very good for the chicken. What do you think? I don't think I would like that. He said, Dad, uh, I don't want to eat chicken anymore. We should all stop eating chicken. Wisdom of the child, right? So it's like, so now, thanks to him, you know, it's not like I didn't know I was eating chicken before. <laughs> Many, and I'm being a little humorous, but, but I really want to, first of all, just acknowledge, because I'm sitting up here as the co-leader of the day, right? And so later, we'll, when we do an exploration, what am I willing to do and what I'm willing not to do? That's an important question. So in my case, just, you know, it's just like, okay, we're, it's like, uh, maybe we're turning into vegans, you know. So I could just give you more detail about that. That's that one story. Second piece, I was um, recently teaching a retreat um, at a, up in uh, Washington State in Bellingham. And this was at a, uh, we were using a Zen center. So it's a Buddhist meditation center. And I was down in a little kitchen area. There's a mouse trap there loaded with the cheese ready to kill the mouse. I'm in the Zen center. So I was thinking about that and also thinking, you know, all this non-harming. It's just like, what's up with this? And I don't know, just thinking about it. So there's a whole piece there. You know, we could have had a conversation. I didn't know the Zen people were there, that we were just letting us use the place. But so it's like, uh, you know, I don't know what they would have said. In my, and then I was reflecting in our own home. It was very interesting. You know, I would have put one of those, what they call them have a heart traps or whatever, if I had a mouse to get out. I just would never put a trap down. It wouldn't occur to me. If a bug is loose in our house, we wouldn't kill it, ever. It's just part of how we have a cup, a bug cup and it just wouldn't do it. But you put the plate of chicken on my plate, it's like I won't kill the bug, but it's out of sight and out of mind. There's the chicken. Or it's, I just got a belt, I don't know, it's just a belt, what's the big deal? Well, wait a minute. Well, what's with this, really? Where am I at about that, you know? How, if we all stopped, you know, the belts, how many cows are, would not be killed? Somebody was telling me when they were practicing at a, at a major uh, meditation retreat center in Burma and they would serve pork because lay people would bring pork in this particular center and there were hundreds of people from all over the world, a lot of Westerners coming to practice here. And part of the precept, Bob can maybe say a little more about it, I have basic familiarity, but you know, if, if you know the animal, as long as you don't know the animal's kill specifically for you, if it was just offered, they take what's offered. So there's a beautiful sensibility, you know, I just take what's offered. But you know, if they stopped taking that, it was like hundreds and hundreds of pigs would not be killed. So there's all these different places. And then the last piece I'll offer is, um, uh, I think this may be a couple of months ago, and I lead a group in the East Bay uh, on Wednesday nights, a regular weekly meditation group. And one of the talks happened to be on this topic around non-harming. And it got somehow someone was bringing up about a lot of sensitivity, like Bob was talking about with bacteria. And so it's something on, I don't know, it's bugs or bacteria, and some guy just went off. He was mad. Like, you know, we're sitting here talking about bacteria, and uh, there's social injustice, and, you know, fossil fuels, and he's going off on corporations, and where our cell phones are going, and all that. And it's like, and you want me to care about a bug? 
that was very, quite interesting. And I say interesting, but I don't know, perhaps some people might want to, that might be something we'll talk about today. We're going to see, we're going to create sort of the day together to see where we're all at as a group. I thought it was interesting. It's like, because uh, in my mind, you can bring the sensitivity to the bug. And it doesn't mean that, you know, all you think about are bugs and then I don't care that if I blow up the world, right? It says something about, you know, how can we hold kind of both? Or wh where are we at about it? How do we feel about the bugs, even though hopefully we care about the big too, right? So it's a, it's a legitimate question that could come up. Um, so anyway, I'm just putting out a number of pieces that have been happened to be stirring uh, in particular this month. Um, and I don't want to explore sort of my conclusions, although I may share as, as part of everyone sharing later. But I think I would just leave it there uh, for now. So thank you all. Mm. Provocative. Yes. So why don't we just sit for a few minutes and perhaps some things have been stirred up within you and just sensing into your body and mind and and just allowing just all that's just been said here and perhaps your own relationship to uh, harming, not harming what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.